Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the lands we record this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, as well as the Wanarua and the Gamilaroi people. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, I'm Gemma Bath, filling in for Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Have you noticed the increase in scams lately? From texts to dodgy emails claiming to be reputable businesses, and it's not just individuals getting duped right now. Optus is in meltdown tonight as it tries to contain the damage from one of the worst cyber attacks Australia has ever seen. It's so serious the big banks have been alerted. Almost 100,000 Australian bank customers' private details have been exposed in a cyber attack. The boss of insurer Medibank has expressed his sorrow and devastation as millions of Australians' private medical information has fallen into the hands of hackers. Alongside these large-scale data breaches, Scamwatch is reporting that millions of Australians are more vulnerable to elaborate, sophisticated and prolific scams currently circulating. Scams that all share a common goal, to defraud innocent people. I said, Mum, how much money did you deposit? And she said, oh, $4,880, like you asked. That's when I knew that she'd been scammed and I was, I was in shock. So as we head into the busy Christmas New Year period, we take you through some of the biggest scams doing the rounds and the best ways to protect both yourself and your loved ones from falling into a trap. But first, your news headlines for Thursday, November 17. I'm Emma Gillespie. Britain's foreign minister has declared the country will not make a judgment about a missile which exploded in Poland until they have better transparency of all the details. Two people were killed near Poland's border with Ukraine on Tuesday. Poland and NATO have said the missile was likely a stray fired by Ukraine's air defences rather than a Russian strike. Foreign Secretary James Cleverley has told British Parliament the incident was ultimately a result of Russia's aggression towards Ukraine, but Britain will not make a judgment without fully understanding the facts, as Poland leads the investigation to establish exactly what has happened. The UK is a founding member of the NATO alliance. Anthony Albanese has wrapped up a successful G20 as he prepares to travel to Bangkok for the APEC Summit, the final leg of his nine-day tour of Southeast Asia. The G20 held in Bali this year has been broadly described as a success for the PM after he reset relationships, progressed trade talks and pushed Australia's position on climate change. Mr Albanese held bilateral meetings with the leaders of France, India and the UK 
and ended a six-year diplomatic freeze with his meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping. As he heads to Thailand, the Prime Minister could not confirm whether he'll meet with Taiwan representatives at APEC, saying that it's an important forum and he looks forward to promoting Australian business, economic activity and investment in the region. Novak Djokovic has declared he's very happy to receive the news that he'll be granted a visa to return to Australia for next year's Australian Open. The Serbian all-time tennis great says he plans to enjoy a great Australian summer when he shoots for a record-extending 10th Australian Open title in Melbourne. The 35-year-old had been barred from Australia until 2025 after this year's vaccination visa debacle which left him in detention before his deportation to Serbia. Tennis Australia backflipping on that decision this week. Communities in New South Wales are bracing for more flooding with warnings of historic river rises and prolonged peaks in the state central west. It comes as search efforts continue for a missing 85-year-old after the body of a 60-year-old woman was recovered from floodwaters west of Bathurst. Communities in the region being warned the danger is not over. 117 warnings and 23 evacuate now orders have been issued, including two evacuation orders for Forbes in as many weeks, where major flooding is expected with the Lachlan River likely to reach 10.8 metres this morning. Such levels of inundation have not been seen since 1952. And the former manager of singer Guy Sebastian will learn his fate this afternoon, with a New South Wales judge set to determine if he'll be sent to jail for embezzling hundreds of thousands of dollars from his client. A jury found Titus Emmanuel Day guilty of 34 charges in June, alleging he fraudulently embezzled around $650,000 owed to Sebastian through royalties, performance and ambassador fees. The 49-year-old was found not guilty of a further 13 charges. He was the manager of the Australian Idol winner between 2009 and 2017. That's your latest news headlines up in a moment. Today's Deep Dive. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. When Bundaberg radio host Tracy Sajakami got a call from her partner recently, she had no idea her day was about to spiral out of control. I got home yesterday from work and my partner rings me and he goes, have you got any messages from NAB? Someone's trying to steal money out of our account. And I said, no. And he goes, yeah, they're trying to take $3,000 out of our account. I've rang them and sorted it out. It's all good. And he goes, I can't get onto my app, though, to check, you know, if something's been taken out. Can you jump on? So I've jumped on and we've got a joint savings account. We're saving to buy a house. And I looked in there and it said minus $28,100. I was half asleep having an afternoon nap and I jumped up and I said, there's no money in there. They've taken all the money. And it's just that feeling of 
you know, I'm never going to get this back. I've worked so hard to save this money. We're never going to get a house. Tracy's partner had fallen victim to a very sophisticated scam doing the rounds right now. One that walks and talks very much like your own bank's fraud department, except they're the ones doing the frauding. The hacker sent my partner a text message saying, someone's trying to withdraw money from your account. If this is not you, please ring us and we'll sort it out. Like, it says more professional than that. And the message is actually from NAB. So he's, you know, rushing around busy with work and he saw that and thought, oh, press the button, rang them. They were very professional. They said, oh, we need to change your passwords on your app because that's how they're getting through. We'll send you a code now. And it's from NAB and he got that code and clicked on that and then that's where it went downhill from there. You know, we watch the news, you know all the scans. And we're one of these people that sit there and go, how can someone fall for that? It's pretty obvious. Like looking into it, even when we rang the fraud squad with NAB, they said this is, you know, one of the best ones I've seen. It's pretty professional. But when he said to check the account, he thought there might be $3,000 missing. And when I said there's 28,000, he could just hear his heart drop and he's just, because, you know, he did it, not me, (laughs) which there were discussions about when he got home. (laughs) Tracy says they immediately tried to see what they could do, but with that much cash gone, they were pretty scared they'd never see it again. Quick, you ring NAB, I'll ring him as well and let's, you know, both of us try at the same time, see what we can do. I rang them up and it was on hold and they said there was a 30-minute wait, so I hung up jumped in the car, raced down the branch, which is about five minutes from where I live, walked into the branch, I'm bawling, I'm shaking, (laughs) come up and go, what's wrong? And I showed him my phone, I said, someone's stolen $28,000 from us. They said, well, logical with the fraud squad. And then they said, oh, this is going to take half an hour. Why don't you go somewhere to calm down? So I've just sort of walked outside and calmed down a bit. And you're still thinking, you hear these stories in the news that people you know, get ripped off and they never get their money back. And I'm trying to think, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Tracy's certainly not the only one falling victim to elaborate scams. She said, I just feel so stupid, like I'm a stupid old woman. I said, you're not stupid. It's a really sophisticated way of gaining your confidence and then asking you to do something. And she said, I didn't for one minute consider that it wasn't you. Sarah is a pretty clued-in person, and so is her elderly mum. But after dodging many of the more obvious online scams, Sarah's mother was eventually targeted in a sophisticated deception. It's one you've probably heard of doing the rounds at the moment, targeted specifically towards mothers. It actually makes me sick thinking about it. Mum was contacted by, I guess it's called a high mum scam, because that's how it literally starts. She was contacted by someone who she thought was me, saying, Hi, Mum, I've dropped my phone in the toilet, so this is my new number. Delete the old number. This is the new one you can contact me on. All pretty innocent, really. So she did what she was instructed to do. They then contacted her again, saying, We can talk over WhatsApp and sent her a link. So she clicked on the link. And of course, she was told that my internet banking had been frozen and that I needed to pay my rent and it was urgent and that could she please send me some money 
because my internet banking was suspended, the money had to go to a different account. And she ended up depositing almost $5,000 in someone else's bank account. At what point did your mum realise she'd been scammed? Oh, it wasn't until I rang her later that afternoon and we were chatting for a while and she said to me, oh, and aren't you silly for dropping your phone in the toilet? And I said, what do you mean, mum? I haven't dropped my phone in the toilet. And she said, yes, you did. You can tell me. And then I suddenly realised that she had been scammed. I said, well, tell me what happened when you thought I'd done that. She goes, well, you needed the money. And I said, what? And I just knew then that something had happened that was awful. And I said, mum, how much money did you deposit? And she said, oh, $4,880, like you asked. I was in shock. And she just went, oh, no. She was so upset. She was hysterical and crying. And she said, I just feel so stupid, like I'm a stupid old woman. Do you think that the sophisticated nature of this scam plays into, rather cruelly, what we know to be the power of motherhood and maternal instinct and that sort of no-questions-asked protection that mums want to show us? Oh, definitely. Mum is incredibly generous and she would do anything for any of her children. And it didn't occur to her at all that this could be bogus. It didn't even come within her framework because it was like, Mum, I need something. I'm embarrassed to ask, but you know, this is a set of circumstances. It's a predicament. Can you help me? And she, of course, went, I'll do anything. Tell me what to do. Sarah, like many of us, can understand exactly how her mum got caught up. Even with the latest one with Transurban saying, you know, your toll didn't go through, so you have to pay the $5 online, click this link, otherwise there'll be penalties. She would believe that because she has a toll and she would think that, oh, well, they've contacted me because that's their information that they've verified. Criminals are targeting us at an individual level, but they're also going after Australian businesses via high-profile data breaches at places like Optus and Medibank. The Albanese government has responded by increasing the current penalties for companies that fail to protect personal data by up to 50 million and is reviewing the current Privacy Act for further possible reform opportunities. They've also announced an ongoing investigation to look into and disrupt the practices of cybercrime syndicates. But if we're currently in a climate where some of the country's biggest and most well-resourced businesses seem to have been unable to ward off the risk of cyber attacks, how can we feel confident about our own safety online? Catherine Manstead is Director of Cyber Intelligence at CyberCX, and she's seen firsthand how targeted attacks like this have ramped up recently. Catherine, we're not imagining it, are we? Has there been a huge explosion in scams lately? Absolutely. There are more. And all of us would have a good sense of that anecdotally. We all get scam calls, texts, emails. It seems like every other week. In fact, I'd be really surprised if there's a listener who hasn't received a scam text or call in the last week. Why? Why are we getting so many more calls or texts at the moment? 
Well, one of the reasons is that scamming is big business. Unfortunately, the criminals, and they are criminals who sit behind these scams, are hoping to make money. And the more money they make from unwitting Australians, the bigger their business grows. So that's one part of it. The second part of it is just how digitalised our lives are. We communicate online, we communicate via text and our mobile phones. So the more digitalised our economic interactions and our social interactions are, the more opportunity these scammers have, unfortunately, as well. I'm sure that listeners have many of these already in their phones, but for those who haven't seen them, can you whiz through some of the scams that you've been seeing around? Yeah, absolutely. And there's a couple of different categories as well. So some might send you a text trying to get your personal information. So they'll direct you to another website and get you to put your credentials in. Now, of course, you're not giving your credentials then to someone that you trust. You're giving them to the scammer who will then steal them and use them for their own purposes. There are dating and romance scams that we see. Sometimes that's a bit of a longer play to get people trusting another individual. The other areas we see are investment scams and charity scams. So claims that there's a really good opportunity in terms of investment that you've got to go into now. There's an increasing amount of scam activity there and charities as well. And this one's pretty brutal, right? Often preying on recent incidents. We saw this around Russia's invasion of Ukraine. We see it when there are floods and bushfires, people wanting to do the right thing and scammers taking advantage of that as well. The one that really gets to me is the one that's, hey, mum, I've lost my phone. Absolutely. I guess scams prey on a couple of things, right? Scams prey on our willingness to do good and they often prey on a sense of urgency. And no mum receives a text from their kid asking for help who doesn't automatically drop everything and try and help. So they're preying on that kind of urgency, that our desire to do action. And that's what makes a really effective scam. You touched on this before, but when you're on the go and you get a text that looks legit, you might be really busy, it looks like an overdue bill or your mum, and how do we protect ourselves from that kind of thing? What are the telltale signs that something isn't as it seems? So you said something there really important, which is when they try and impose a sense of urgency, and another scam you might have seen, I've received a lot recently, saying your e-toll bill is overdue. So often scams are trying to bypass, let's say, the slow part of our brain, that analytic part of our brain, they try and bypass that to get us to take action. And so anything that's threatening you or saying that anything is urgent, overdue, must take action now, they're precisely the types of messages that you want to see and then step back from and question whether or not you're expecting to receive that. If you've got another way to verify it, so the eToll one's a great example, you would have an eToll account if you're an eToll member, go online and check your account to see if you do have an overdue bill. So there are always ways to take that urgency away from the scammer, away from the attacker. Give yourself the advantage by giving yourself some breathing room and questioning who has sent it, why, and is there another way you can verify what they're asking you to do. I think we always expect the victims of these kinds of scams to be the older in our community that aren't as kind of tech savvy, but is it young people that are getting caught up in this too? Yeah, absolutely. There are reports to, so Scamwatch is a government-run entity. It's a fantastic website, actually, if any of your listeners want to jump on and explore it. It explains about scams in really simple language. And it has data on there about the reports that come in from the community on scams. Look, it is those 45 and over. There are 
a preponderance of reports, but there's also a lot of reports coming in from younger people as well. It's definitely not just something that catches out the elderly and it's also not something that catches out, you know, the silly. All of us can get caught out by scams because, as we discussed before, it's gaming what makes us human. It's gaming and exploiting our desire to help people, to do good, to pay our bills on time. That's all human and normal. So there's nothing embarrassing or wrong about being caught out by scams. It probably will happen to all of us from time to time. The key is just following some of those simple pieces of advice around taking a bit of time to think before engaging online. That can help us all. Christmas is coming up which is terrifying, (laughs) but the the festive (laughs) season is well and truly upon us. Does that give scammers more opportunity? I mean, lots of us will be shopping online, we'll be using our accounts more. Do we see these scams tend to increase around Christmas time? Well, what we do see is scammers are very good at linking their scams to things that are topical. So I mentioned before they like to create that sense of urgency and panic. So when we've got uh, crises on like bushfires, right, that's where you might see charity scams tick up. Around Christmas, scammers tend to target what they're doing to Christmas-related themes. We saw a couple of years back some really effective scam activity where people thought their employer had sent them gift cards for Christmas, uh, but it wasn't. It was scammers trying to ruin the festive spirit. So I think we should be aware of that, that we will see scammers try and take advantage of whatever moment we're in, whether that's a political moment or whether that's just a time of the year like Christmas. We've talked about how to stop yourself from being scammed in the first place. But what if the unthinkable has happened and you have been scammed of money? What's your advice in that scenario? Report it. As I said before, it's not something to be embarrassed about. It can happen to anyone. So report it. Report it to a place like Scamwatch. Talk to your bank about it, depending on the nature of the scam. If you catch it early, sometimes the bank might be able to help you out. Talk to your family about it as well depending again on the nature of the scam you've engaged with, you don't want to have left someone else vulnerable by giving over something like your credentials. And sometimes a scam, you automatically haven't lost money at that point. Maybe the scam has just got your credentials. Maybe they've just got your password to a particular platform. You still have an opportunity to stop the scammer before they do you or someone else follow on harm. So report it understand that what the nature of it is and, and seek help. Ask family members, ask your employer if it's related to something at work and seek some help because this, again, I can't emphasise enough, this is something that could happen to any of us. So the question remains, what happened to Tracy and her partner's money? Lucky for them, they had an account that required two signatures to approve a withdrawal, which bought them just enough time. So what the hackers did, they took it from our joint account. They couldn't take it into their account, so they moved it into another one of my partner's accounts and trying to get it from that. And because we intercepted so quickly, they stopped it before it could go any further, and that's how we got the money back in like two hours after it happened. But since then, it went back in about 5 o'clock yesterday. I've checked my account probably 20 times just because I'm paranoid now when I saw the, you know, 21 cents in our account when they're supposed to be 28,000. So I keep checking it. I click, I log on. Oh, yeah, it's still there. I'm just paranoid as anything now. For Sarah, she wishes she'd spoken to her mum about the do's and don'ts earlier. I think if you actually say to your parents or even just with your friends, double check it, ring and speak to me before you give anyone any kind of 
money or personal information. Don't divulge anything to anyone ever unless you can verify that it's really that person. I think we all have to adopt this mentality of, hang on a minute, this might not be real. Let me double check. Did your mum ever get any of the money back? What happened when she contacted the bank? She's in discussions with them. They are investigating it. So she's waiting to hear back from their fraud department. It's highly unlikely she'll be able to recover any of it because she's the one that transferred the money. But she said to me, this is a you know a $5,000 lesson. And she's a pensioner. She has never spent $5,000 in one go you know, on a holiday or anything. So this is an enormous amount of money for her. She makes jams for her church as a fundraising thing. And I I suggested she might just want to make jam and do a fundraising thing (laughs) for her. But yeah, it's something that she really feels upset about that she's been so gullible. That's the quickie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Gemma Barth, with Emma Gillespie and Claire Murphy. The executive producer of The Quickie is Liv Proud. Audio production is by Tom Lyon.